Welcome back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Managing Editor Brendan Sauter joined, as always, by my recruiting analyst, Jared Hallis, here for another edition of the Edge Podcast, the first one of 2021. And Jared and I got some great news to talk about. We got lots of Oregon State updates to kind of get through, including some big-time transfer news. But just getting started, Jared, how are you doing? How's, uh, how's life treating you, my friend? It's going well. You know, happy to, uh, to be in the new year. Trying to to get things going on a, on a on a good note, you know. Good to uh, to be back podcasting after a couple of weeks off for the holidays and everything. Certainly, and you know, it's kind of uh, kind of crazy to think we're a couple of weeks removed now from the end of the season. You know, we've had a lot of time to reflect. You and I have done you know various pieces on you know the recruiting class, the uh, incoming transfers, you know, certain you know other aspects of the team, you know, analytics as far as scores go. So. We are kind of really firmly into the offseason now, and that's where, you know, things get really exciting as far as uh, Oregon State being able to really improve their squad. And that's, you know, what you and I specifically talked about in our signing day podcast, which was the last one that we did, just kind of recapping that, you know, we've seen these last two years with Jonathan Smith, how close the Beavers have been, you know, Mm -hmm. whether it be the five and seven campaign in 19 or this year losing several games just by the one score and, you know, and, you know, beating Oregon, you know, beating Cal um, that they're really just a few difference makers away from being at that top level. And we've seen them, you know, attack with a very small, but, you know, mighty is what we like to say recruiting class uh, in the early signing period. And now we've seen uh, some transfer portal action as well. So before we kind of get into the nitty gritty and as far as like the most latest information, Jared, just has everything kind of gone to course as you would have projected it, say, you know, the end of the season, as far as the steps Oregon state and the recruiting staff have taken these last couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, I would say for the most part. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe there was a feeling in the in the back of my head that they may have tried to make some effort to make a late addition for the early signing period. Uh, obviously, that wasn't what was in the cards. I mean, obviously, they swung on in Bowden Rollins, uh, who you know ended both ended up at great schools. Um, so I mean, you know, I, I maybe expected another addition for that part of the class, and obviously, they're they're adding more players to the roster. Uh, via the transfer portal, which we'll get into and everything. Uh, and, you know, but otherwise I would say, yeah, I think everything's pretty much gone to par. I think they're seeing their plan through, which is obviously the most important thing. Uh, we'll just have to see, see, how, see how it plays out. Certainly. And, and I would say I'd agree with you. I think that if nothing's really surprised me, I'd say so far, I mean, perhaps the addition that we'll get into here in a minute maybe caught me a little bit off guard, but we knew that the Beavers were going to be aggressive with the portal. We knew they were going to be, you know, aggressive in trying to find those players because Jonathan Smith and said as much in his signing day press conference, that there were still needs that they needed to add. And Jared, we've been talking about this on the damn board quite a bit. Talk about how much more flexibility they have not having that scholarship limit this year. That's been a really, really great, you know, uh, conversation piece between all of our subscribers, just kind of Mm -hmm. like it's a weird year, 2021. Basically what my understanding is, is for as much as your athletic department wants to pay, you can have as many scholarships as you want. Yeah. It's honestly a little bit weird because, you know, we've been asked this question a lot uh, about, how many are they going to allow in 2022, 2023, you know, moving forward, is this going to permanently change the numbers? Are we going to see it, you know, go straight back to 85? Is it going to slowly go down to 85? And that's an answer that nobody has right now. So, uh, 
it's all like it is a good thing for this year, especially for guys like grad transfers and stuff. And I mean, really, everyone got an extra year of eligibility. So for guys want to get a different shot somewhere else, it's perfect because you know you can go and you know make the most out of a out of a year somewhere else. So I, I think we're seeing some benefits for sure. Uh, but the most interesting part to me is just seeing you know what they decide to do as far as how it's going to play out in the future, and if we're going to have to see some major roster attrition. Uh, you know, moving forward, it's it's honestly kind of a scary. I don't think it's going to happen. I think they'll keep in mind that you know these the teams have lots of uh, you know people coming in that wouldn't have otherwise counted towards their scholarship numbers. So it's it is super interesting, and uh, I think you said it best in our mailbag. It'll probably be some kind of gradual decrease. I would hope that's what happens. Right. That way, you know, you don't have to chop everyone off at once. Yeah, I mean, it's just a weird situation, right? Because from my first, you know, glance at this, it goes, oh, the super rich schools are immediately favored here. The smaller budget athletic departments could be put in a bit of a bind, given that scholarships, in this case, there's no limit. But in theory, now there's the ability for a school in an athletic department that has the, you know, say maybe one school in the Pac-12 can offer, say, hey, you know, this year we got the, you know, whatever funds, we can offer 15 scholarships. And maybe another school in the Pac-12 goes, yeah, we budget for 85, we can only do 90. And that's the difference of 10 scholarship guys. You know, I just hope there's some sort of eventual oversight because it really, it plays into the portal being wide open this year. And it just adds another element to this wild, wild west mentality where, guess we'll just have to see where all the chips fall when all this is done and what the NCA finally emerges. I mean, lack of leadership has been, you know, an understatement. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, when, if anything is really given in that regard, as far as a clear answer there. Yeah. I mean, for sure. It's, it's just a guessing game at this point. Again, hopefully they'll, they'll make it some kind of gradual or something where, you know, there's no chopping block and you don't have to, you know, ruin the, the potential careers and plans of a lot of people. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting for sure. Just another thing that, you know, 2020 made us have to deal with moving forward. So we'll see, uh, see how it all unfolds. Certainly. And that's a, that's a great segue into, you know, how the Beavers really, eh, you know, we're, we're here on, you know, uh, first week of January, but I'll go ahead and uh, give them, give them the credit and say it was uh, starting the new year off with a bang. Uh, Beavers land uh, South Carolina running back Deshaun Fenwick. Um, you know, uh, you and I have written about this in great length and detail the last 24 hours. Um, in more ways than one, this is a guy that, you know, I preach about all the time as far as the mold of a player. I go anytime Oregon State University in Corvallis, Oregon can draw SEC level talent. It's a no brainer. It's where the conversation really Stops and finishes. It's an impressive ad in many ways. Yeah, and I think I think it's, you know, as as especially a team like Oregon State starts to get these super talented guys in right. via the portal, it's making other people kind of, you know, kind of loosen yeah. up a bit to it. I think yeah. at first everybody was like, this is going to be crazy. It's going to be a free agency. But it truly is beneficial, I think, for all parties. There's going to be instances where a guy leaves that you're like, dang it, I, I, I wish he would have stayed. But at the same time, you could turn around and add somebody else, you know, as easily as the other one left. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be super beneficial for everyone. And I think we're starting to see that already, especially, like I said, for a team like Oregon State that can really make some waves and has already uh, through the transfer portal. It, it's super exciting. And uh, yeah, I mean, 
Deshaun is a super interesting player. I was kind of surprised to see his – well, I don't want to say that because I don't think he was being utilized enough at South Carolina. I think that's probably what led to the decision. Honestly, I think he could be an impact guy at Oregon State for sure. You know, it's interesting because we, we've we've already seen a little bit, and, and I saw this with uh, some of the conversations on the damn board just to kind of get back to, you know, what our subscribers have been saying. And it's interesting because there were some that were like, yes, big time need. We even answered this in some mailbags uh, a week or two ago that, you know, our subscribers and, and you and I maybe felt as well that the running back room needed more. But then, you know, I've also seen, you know, what does this mean for B.J. Baylor, who kind of, you know, really maybe earned, you know, the right to be given at least the first, you know, crack at it, given that he had been the understudy to Jamar and kind of really earned his way as that backup role. So by bringing uh, Fenwick into the mix, I think it just, you know, iron sharpens iron, right? And when you look at a guy like him, six foot one, 220 pounds, just a big human being as far as a running back and, and you know, being able to watch his tape, you know, he's got a few, you know, Jefferson didn't quite weigh that much. He's got a little bit more weight than Jefferson does, but their running style, it's very similar. You know, that's something I wrote about my analysis. I saw kind of the, they're very patient. They hit the block the same way. They follow their offensive linemen. Um, there's a real grace to his running style. And, you know, Michael Petrie, uh, his reaction on Twitter, sending a real, you know, exciting, you know, gif of the moment. Maybe he should tell you everything you need to hear that, you know, this was a guy that, you know, you wrote about his stats and what he was able to, and not to mention his offer sheet. There's yeah. a lot of reason to be excited about him. Yeah, he, he's a, he definitely had some great offers out of high school. And, I mean, the state of Florida is, a, you know, a really good state, especially where he's from. There's a bunch of uh, schools that recruit that area. So, I mean, Florida is like a, one, of the, one of the many, you know, schools in the southeast that really – is a, is a good school for recruiting. So yeah, I mean, it, great to pick it one up regularly competes as one of the top States in the country. I mean, it's up there exactly. with California and Texas as right. the States. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, that, that's more so what I was getting at. It's, it's, it's one of the, it's like, it's like a California, exactly. except for it's on the other side of the country. So any, doesn't matter who it is, anytime you can get a player out of there, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Certainly. And, and I guess for you, Jared, when you, you kind of mentioned this kind of last thing I want to do before we can kind of, you know, move on and, and talk about Oregon State's other, you know, transfer that we didn't, haven't talked about since we podcasted last, you said you thought he was maybe misused at South Carolina. Expand yeah. on that thought a little bit. And how do you see him kind of fitting into the mix, especially when, you know, again, I want to bring up the, the concerns of some of our damn board members saying, how much does this hurt the uh, growth of Isaiah Newell and Tehran Madison, who maybe, some thought would take the leap or is this maybe a thought saying we're not sure, you know, what they're going to be. They haven't taken snaps. I mean, it's really, and Demir Collins coming into the mix as well. So it, it, it murky, it murks things up a little bit in, in a good way, kind of, I think it can, but it just creates a lot of murkiness in the situation. You almost think that maybe one guy might not be there. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, uh, I remember texting you when, uh, or, well, we were kind of both just talking over the holiday just about news. And we're like, hopefully these guys will, uh, will you know, spare us and make their decisions after the holidays or something like that. They did. And I just remember us talking about, you know, does this open up another spot? Uh, you know, what, what, what's going to happen? And, you know, just to, to get back to the original question with, with, you know, South Carolina and everything, I just feel like if you have a guy 
that rushes for 100 yards. The first player in South Carolina history to rush for 100 yards in their debut since 1999. Why does he not play more football for your team? Why does he only see one more game that season? Next year, he only plays five. This year, granted, he did play eight games, which could be all they played. I'm not too sure what South Carolina looked like with their cancellations and everything. But why is a player like that not seeing more reps? Why? I mean, it's clear that he can be an impact player. As a true freshman, the guy's running for 100 yards. Granted, I think it was against, like, Akron or something, but who cares? Yeah. It's his first ever collegiate game, it, and he it, goes for 100. It's, yeah. it's significant. So I, I just feel like he was not being utilized as much maybe as he should have been. And, I, you know, he's not going to walk into Oregon State and win the job right away. Like we're talking about, there's talent on that roster for sure. But, you know, I'm sure part of the coach's pitch to him was like, hey, you know, you can compete for the job for certain. And uh, at the very least, maybe we'll utilize you more than you were being in South Carolina. If you had to guess, and and I'm just genuinely curious because, you know, it's 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 not common who, you know, you know, we'll get into this as well with the next transfer. Do you think it's position coaches or do you think it's more Blue Adams who kind of has his arm in the Southeast that kind of has the angle here? Because we've seen a little bit, you know, even before, you know, he he was a one-time committed, didn't end up working out with Jalen Martin, but we've kind of seen a bit of a, you know, even with this, it kind of leads me to believe that maybe not a trend, not like a Texas trend per se, like we've seen with Jimmy Ballison and Zariah Beeson, but enough to say, hey, the Beavers aren't scared of going into SEC territory by any stretch. Yeah, I mean, I, I really think with the portal, it's a little different. You know, you talk about the Texas pipelines that we've seen created and everything. That's a lot of credit due to to Coach Henson for that one. He's really been diving in there. You talk about Coach Blue getting into the Southeast a little bit. That's another big one. I think with the portal, it, it really – Truly, I, I don't think it matters. I think when you enter the portal, you're looking for the best opportunity. And for a lot of these guys, you know, that Oregon State could be that. And that's what we've said from the beginning. You know, if you want to, you know, not have a million eyeballs on you, not feel the pressure of, you know, trying to start over probably a, a roster full of four and five stars at an SEC school, come on, you know, we'll welcome you with open arms and you will at least be given the chance to compete. You know, it's so I, I really don't think it, it matters. And I think for now, you know, while Oregon State is still, you know, of course, nearing the back end, but still trying to to get to a point that they're not quite at yet. I think it, it's just a perfect mix. You know, these guys are able to, to join a program that's going to win some ball games, and, uh, you know, have the opportunity to, to contribute to that. Certainly great points all around. And that's a, a perfect segue to, you know, the second uh, grad or not grad transfer, excuse me, just regular portal transfer, the Beavers were able to secure and that's Georgia wide receiver, Makia Tung. Jared, tell us a little bit about him. What, I mean, it's been a – how many – has it been a couple weeks now? It was right after Christmas but before New Year's, correct? Yeah, I think it was uh, some, somewhere somewhere around that time. Yeah, I'm like, I, exactly. it's been a lot of crazy days all in a row. But bottom line, another receiver joining the fold and a guy that you and I are yeah. both really excited about. Give me the lowdown on him. Uh, remind, you know, Edgers and everyone else listening why he's a guy who – you know, really could come in right away and make a difference. Yeah, he's a – first of all, he's an athlete. He's a, he's from Louisiana, Baton Rouge, and he, he was – you know, that's another really good recruiting state. So one reason to be excited about him already, 
anybody I think that's on scholarship playing at UGA is a, is a pretty dang good football player. Yep. So, uh, well, you know, you could you could argue about a couple of guys here and there. But <laughs> look at Jared but, trying to nitpick a top ten program. Look at this, folks. No, but uh, but Tung is definitely an intriguing prospect. Another guy that you know may have felt at least you know I, I'm not incredibly familiar with what was going on there, but just judging by the looks of things on paper, he, he probably got the vibe that, you know, he was not being utilized right. at UGA. He joined in the, in the class of uh, 2019. So he, he comes in with, you know, the George Pickens and stuff like that. And we all know how that story goes. So, you know, he may have just seen, you know, a time to, uh, to explore a better opportunity where he might be able to get his name out there. Cause I mean, it's like this with all the quote unquote. I wouldn't necessarily label UJ as a blue blood yet. I think they're getting to that point, but at this point, I wouldn't say they are. And you see this happen a lot. You know, there's guys that come in, they're four star guys that get buried underneath a five star that's that would arguably, if possible, be a one and done to the NFL the next year. Accurate. So it's no, it's not due to a shortage of talent on their end. It's just that the roster is so loaded. And so if you can take a chance and, you know, go try to play elsewhere, why not? And I think, you know, similar to, to Fenwick, I think that's what we saw with Tom. Again, I, I wrote about it and, and, you know, great points, Jared, just first of all. And, and uh, you know, it, it just brings me back to my, my, my kind of resounding point that, you know, all Beaver fans should be excited about. You got two transfers, high impact offensive skill position players from the best conference in college football. Again, not high school guys. <laughs> Not high school guys, but guys that have had college experience that, again, you go from SEC to Pac-12, you're arguably taking a step down in, in competition. And, you know, it's not out of the stretch, the imagination, you know, when we say Benwick could come in and he could take the starting job. He has that potential, as does, you know, Tongue to come in and be a starter because of his size, frame, and build, and this instant eligibility. Um you know, my thing is if I'm a, if, you know, if I'm a beer fan here, I'm looking at this, I'm really excited that you're going after, you know, at least within reason, you know, it's not like you're pulling, you know, their best recruits, but still you're going into a new area, pulling in, you know, guys that want to play and want to be in better situations. And Oregon State has typically shown throughout the Jonathan Smith tenure that they can be a home to that. And on top of it, they'll give you a pretty good chance to get in the NFL too. No doubt. And I, I, like I said earlier, I think the people are kind of starting to warm up to that idea. It's uh, maybe something that, again, was viewed as this is going to be college football free agency at first. But as, as people see the benefits to it, that it provides not only to, to the program, but most importantly, in my opinion, and I think in pretty much everybody's opinion, hopefully, it provides great benefit to the kids. You know, it gives them a second chance. There is, you know, obviously you want to see a level of commitment from these guys, but depending on the circumstances, it makes a lot of sense for them to make these moves. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think people are warming up to it. Oregon State fans uh, particularly, I think, are, are kind of questioning a couple of things, just like, okay, we got a receiver, maybe didn't need that. We got a running back, maybe didn't need that. What we need is an offensive lineman and, oh, and some defensive linemen as well. You know, we need guys in the trenches. I think that's really what's got people's head spinning still at this point. Like, okay, great. Yeah. I'm excited about this, but what, like if we can use those spots for, for a position of actual need, you know, we've got talent at running back. We've got talent at receiver and not to say that there's not talent on the trenches either, but there's not depth. And that's what, that's what I think needs to be established at Oregon state via the portal. I think it will, but uh, well, it's just certainly take not time. done. 
I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, yeah. again, I, I think, you know, we, we've done our best as far as, you know, what we, our information at Beaver's Edge, being able to say, hey, here's what we think is the number of scholarships they're at right now, even though there is no limit. Because again, I choose to believe and choose to think Oregon State being a relatively smaller athletic department is still not going to be able just to go gung-ho and be like, hey, everybody come to Corvallis. I, I don't yeah. think that's super realistic. So I still think they have to pick and choose their spots. So certainly, Absolutely. I totally understand from you know the edgers perspective where they're like, hey, we need linemen. Most notably, again, I've said it for a while, defensive line for me is a, it stops there. You could, I think, <laughs> the hall check on the O-line, the guys they've got in the system, you could potentially be fine at offensive line, I think, for, you know, at least the next couple years, in my opinion. Defensive line, they need bodies. They need bodies. Yeah. They need guys that can take up space. As we saw this year, that was basically the last thing on defense that hadn't really been at the level they needed to be. Mm-hmm. We saw great linebacker play. We saw improved, not perfect, but improved defensive back play. And the line, just not enough production. And, you know, that's the thing is, you know, I think the portal's still getting added. I think the Beavers need to, you know, do their due diligence. But I think it would be foolish to think they wouldn't try to do everything that they can to add a defensive lineman. And to your point, maybe even an offensive lineman. Yeah. And to be fair, I think I think those those positions, offensive line and defensive line are are one of the ones where it's harder, you know, to come right in and, and make an instant impact. I mean, especially when you've got guys that are having to gain 20, 30, however many pounds to be power five ready and have that frame. And, and not to say you have to be that size, but it certainly helps. Yep. And uh, I mean, so it's not like bringing in a guy like Tung who just has a natural skill set and athletic ability where he can make plays. These guys really have to be coached up and trained. So I think, uh, I think the portal will help with that because, you know, you're adding guys from, from schools. They've, they've gone through the college coaching already. They know what it's going to be like. So uh, it's, it's all good. And I, like you said, they're not done yet. There's no need to hit the panic button yet. Uh, you know, if it were the summertime and we were still having this conversation, I would say, all right, what's going on. But uh, for now, you know, they're, they're still making some great additions and uh, time will tell what happens next. Exactly. And that's where you said, I mean, arguably, you know, again, right now expect, you know, we think he can, but right now expecting O'Mary and Fahamoy to come in and just be, you know, the, you know, cure-all to all the, you know, defensive line woes is right. putting way too much expectations on a freshman, right? And that's where yeah. you said he probably, and again, we won't know until he gets in the grind of things and, you know, we get reports from spring practice and, you know, fingers crossed, maybe get to attend fall camp in person this year. We'll, we'll see what happens, you know, keep my fingers crossed. August is still a ways away. But, um, you know, as far as, you know, I don't know. I, I think as far as just kind of wanting to have that kind of, I guess I'm at a loss for words, so to speak. <laughs> no, I, I, I get where you're going. It's, it's just, you know, again, time will tell what happens. The portal is uh, it's, it's something that everybody should go ahead and get warm to now because uh, I, think, I think we're only going to see it get more loose in terms of like one-time free transfers. You know, you, right. you, as long as there's a legitimate reason, you're good. You've got eligibility. So might as well get used to it. There's talent on the way, so you should be happy about that. Will there be bad things that happen from it? Yes, but the, the game of life is gaining more than you lose. 
So as long as they do that, which I think they certainly have already and will continue to do, then it's all, it's all good in my opinion. You know, I, I, I 100% agree. And just, just to kind of put a bow tie on my point there, I, th- I think more than anything, like, you know, wanting to address the area of need, right? That, that, I guess that was kind of the words I was trying to get out of my mouth a little bit was, you know, addressing that area of need. And it's just because you and I have heard from the, you know, Beaver's Edge subscribers, there are two position groups that I would say 98% of our board feel that's what Oregon state needs to address and everything else, you know, is gravy. Right. So naturally, you know, I think you and I and everyone else would like to see results from that. So, you know, just to kind of wrap up that whole point, I'm very excited to see what they're going to do with the portal. I'm very excited to see, excited and anxious, you know, to kind of see what the next moves are because these first two very shrewd skill positions. I like it. Now, if they could go get you, you know, I think about a couple of years ago when they were able to, you know, snag Charles Moore, obviously it didn't work out, you know, coming over from Auburn as a defensive tackle, but that's the kind of guy that, you know, I think the Beavers need to try to target, you know, via the portal or what have you, but they've done it before. So I, you know, I, I place my confidence in Jonathan Smith and his staff. So to kind of put the bow tie on this podcast and start to wrap up, we want to go ahead and give a quick update on the Oregon state men's and women's basketball teams. Um, unfortunately, both are on a COVID-19 pause right now due to contact tracing uh, protocols within the and testing within the program. Uh, the women's team has been on pause for several weeks now. The men's team obviously goes on pause shortly after the uh, loss to Stanford uh, on Monday. So, again, uh, our thoughts and prayers are with uh, everyone in the program. But, um, you know, at this point, uh, a lot of uncertainty moving forward, especially on the women's side as they've been down for a while. So we'll, we'll, we'll be able to update you guys at Beaver's Edge as soon as we have any more information. But right now, pretty much just they're both on pause due to contact tracing protocols. And on the men's basketball team, we not to say that it was, you know, um, in the reading the tea leaves, but, you know, given that they missed, uh, you know, the entire assistant coaching staff missed this last weekend and Roman Silva center missed it due to contact tracing protocols. Um, Wayne Tinkle talked about how shorthanded they were. So, um, you know, potentially there, you know, could have been some more developments in that arena. So again, our thoughts are definitely out with uh, both basketball programs as, you know, everyone stays healthy and works to get back on the court. I know uh, all of our edgers and everyone will be sending thoughts to Wayne Tinkle and Scott Ruick's squads. So that'll kind of uh, wrap up this edition of the Edge podcast. Uh, Jared, anything else uh, you want to wrap up with uh, just before we sign off? And, you know, I just got to say my, my kind of parting thoughts to edgers is stay glued. Be honest, stay at beaversedge.com, stay glued to the damn board. We'll be on it. And Jared and I, you know, just like yesterday, you'll get, you know, we just get surprise updates and boom, <laughs> all of a sudden now, now there's a running back. That's uh, Oregon state coming right from South Carolina. So Beavers can really seem to, you know, at, that's the great thing about the portal. All it takes is just one guy and your outlook changes, you know, in, uh, c- considerably. So I would just tell everyone stay patient and I would be willing to bet that there's going to be some good news still on the horizon. That, that is uh, pretty much all I was going to say. Stay, stay tuned in. Like we said earlier, they're not done. Uh, so there's, there's more good on the way. So keep, keep it locked. Perfect. Well, that'll go ahead and wrap up this edition of the Edge Podcast. Big shout out to Jared Hallis for joining me, as always, uh, on this edition of the Edge Podcast. Keep it locked to beaversedge.com. Jared and I will continue to have 
uh, recruiting coverage all the way up until the late signing window. We're going to be glued to the transfer portal. Uh, we're going to have analysis of guys coming and going, you know, also, you know, would be remiss if we didn't mention this as well as, you know, we had some departures happen from the program yesterday. Uh, you can read about that at beaversedge.com as well. So again, beaversedge.com, that's where you're going to want to keep it for everything Oregon State. For Jared Hollis, this is Brendan Slaughter signing off on this edition of the Edge Podcast.